0: What's up y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Ed had reached out to me probably a year or two ago asking just about being a dad and athletic trainer. And then just recently after the virtual NATA chats, Ed asked about a follow-up conversation or maybe a series about AT dads. And so this is kind of where this came from. So Ed's joining me as well. Um, Joel is a new dad. And actually once we click over to his camera on the live stream you'll see he's got his baby right there with him in the podcast and he's gonna have to walk out put her down for a nap and then come back uh, and and join us as well so that's part of being an AT dad so it just fits perfectly Um, but we've got Larry Cooper he's retired he has kids grandkids and he's been active involved in their life throughout his career as an athletic trainer and so we're going to give him some key questions that we want answered and we, you know, hopefully can guide us and he's going to share his story of, of kind of what his life as an athletic trainer and a dad and, and a husband and as a grandfather look like and answer those questions for us. So if you're joining live, make sure you post those chats or comments there and there and I'll do my best to get them answered. And if not, then you can always reach out towards Larry at the end. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Dads. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Dads, I am Jeremy Jackson, the host, and it's a pleasure to have you on. So, Larry, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: There you go, Joel. Say hello and show off your baby.
1: Hi, this is Joel, and this is Ella. Um, joining the screen now. So,
0: oh, she's playing shy. All right, and then Ed,
2: <laughs> morning, everyone. I'm uh Ed Wozniakiewicz up in Castleton, Vermont.
0: Ed, what do you want to know? From Larry.
2: My son's almost two. And so since he's been born, I had paternity leave for two months last fall in 2019. And then I was only back at work for two months before COVID shut everything down. So I feel like since my son hasn't been born, I haven't experienced having to balance out um, being a father and an athletic trainer as much. And that's probably one of the blessings that have come out of COVID-19 but I'm more concerned when I get back into a more normal routine as an athletic trainer, the challenges I'm going to face in balancing parenthood with athletic training, with the demands as an athletic trainer.
3: I think um, you're very fortunate to have been able to take that time off when he was a newborn. Um, I did not have that opportunity. So that's awesome for you. Um, I think that just like any other priority in your life, you, you, you need to make that time and you have to have some very hard boundaries, uh, whether it be, you know, you, you you say with your your significant other that you're not going to um, miss birthdays or you're, you know, every particular one day a week, you're going to do something different with the family. You, you've got to prioritize and make sure that you have those hard hard boundaries and and stick with it. We all know that our life is very uh, tumultuous when it comes to schedules and stuff like that. So that might be hard to do like the, the same day every week or the same activity. But, you know, you've got to be able in your mind to draw that line to say, "Hey, listen, I'm making the effort. I'm making the the um, opportunities to spend time with my child. and I, And I can't back down on that. Um, there were some times when I was working by myself, I was a full-time teacher and an athlete trainer. And so my days were 12, 14, 16 hour days, depending on the activities. And there was times where I couldn't get away and my wife knew that. And she was very supportive of that. But when there was an opportunity for me to get away and, and be a part of their, um, my, my children's activities, oh, I was there. I mean, it for me, I was just telling Jeremy, you know, working out is a priority for me. That's something I do every day. I get up in the morning early before you know everybody else and, and get that in. And I think that um, if you're having trouble with balancing that time, maybe in the evening, uh, do your your other work in the morning, or vice versa. If you want to spend time in the morning with your son, you know, get up early with him uninterrupted time if you can even if it's 15 minutes but th- those little shots of time are very very important for you for that balance because we are we are tugged many different ways and you're tugged man i want to spend more time with what, what's your son's name
2: it's desmond
3: desmond you want to spend more time with desmond but you know your job doesn't permit it you might want to go and say hey to your ad and say hey listen listen there, there's a uh um, uh, conditioning session and, um, I'm going to, how far away do you live from your school?
2: I'm about a half hour.
3: Okay. So you know, maybe that's not an opportunity, but I, I live five minutes. I'd say, Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot home, um, you know, for half an hour and I'll be, I'll be right back. And it was, and all it was, was, you know, a weightlifting session or, a, um, chalk talk or something like that. So, you know, I think that, most ADs and, and most administrators have family too, and they're willing to work with you if if you're not putting your patient's um, healthcare at risk. So it's just a priority, you know, just like in life. <clears throat> some people have a priority of getting on social media all the time or going to the bars or whatever. It's tough now during the pandemic, but, you know, you just got to make that priority what, what it is.
0: All right. Joel, I know you're about to have to head out. So what is one of the key questions that you hope to kind of get answered here? And then again, we'll kind of work through Larry's timeline from the beginning of his AT story.
1: Yeah, I guess for me, you know, it's how understanding of a significant other do you, do you have to have in order to, you know, do that? Um, I've seen my hours shift all over the place, just even before the pandemic and whatnot. And obviously that changed somewhat with getting married and whatnot. Um, but my, significant other another, not being a huge sports person doesn't always quite get, you know, where we're at, where we coming from. So just any insight there. Well,
3: I, I can tell you, your your is it a daughter?
0: Said Beautiful, Ellen, yeah.
3: by the way. Um, <clears throat> my wife um, sounds on the very outside like yours. She was very um, non-athletic. And, um, she understood what I did, but I don't think she fully understood when we got married. And then, um, you know, you just, when you show them, I, I used to sit down on a, on a Sunday and say, this is what I got going on this week. Um, this is, you know, when we have an opportunity to do this, this, and this, and, you know, I think that it goes without sometimes without going, being said that you know, our spouses have to be understanding for, in our profession. And w- I couldn't have done half the things I did in my profession, in my job, if it wasn't for my wife, she's, she's been an amazing supporter and it just takes some time to, to educate them. Just like we have to educate the parents that, you know, that we deal with and the coaches and the athletes and stuff. You got you gotta do the same thing with your spouse, especially if they don't, truly understand what an athletic trainer does and um, why they have to be there so many gosh darn hours.
0: All right. So I think that's a great question to start us off. I, I want to start back there in the beginning. Um, you used to, you wrestled in high school and then did you wrestle in college? I did. You wrestled in college. So the athletics is truly part of who you are, what you're doing, right? It's And you completely understand that life. So, tell me a little bit more about your when you started in athletic training, and then when you met your wife, and then we're going to kind of continue on your athletic training story up until present day, uh, interjecting these questions. But tell us how it all started, Larry.
3: Well, I went to a um, a small school in, in my hometown. I was a townie. Yeah, I lived at home and went to school for two hours for two years, and then. Um, I just, I had to get away, I had to break, break away from home and spread my wings and I, I transferred to University of Pittsburgh and um, my, my original intention in college was to be an architect or an engineer. And, um, man, I just, uh, I don't know, I get completely away from that. And the first two years I took accounting classes. And I just was could not see myself as a suit and tie behind the desk person. So I started exploring different ways Uh, where I could be active and also um, enjoy my, you know, my chosen profession. And I come from my family. I think my mom and dad were good at helping people and um, improving their lives and stuff, volunteering that. And I think that um, I I had that, you know, shown to me many times over. And so um, I had an uncle that, uh, suggested I go into athletic training and I asked him why. And he said, well, cause you're active, you like athletics. And this is a way to give back to people in, in, in medicine. And uh, so I, I transferred to university of Pittsburgh and uh, took general courses um, the first semester. And then I enrolled in their athletic training program and the rest is history. I fell in love with it. Um, absolutely fell in love with it. And then my last semester back then they called it, um, uh, field experience. And, uh, I was doing my student teaching and my field experience at the same school, Baldwin high school. And I was working with the girls basketball team and they had a very good girls basketball team. We had a playoff game, went to the playoff game and this young lady walked by me and kind of caught my eye. And, uh, sat down in the stands and like a goofball she caught me staring at her a few times and after the game one of her one of the teammates one of the team the players uh wanted to introduce me to someone it just so happened it was her and uh the first thing she said to me so you're the dumb jock and just you know if you ever think of a cartoon with a you know being mad i i I was livid i couldn't believe this person was saying this to me and uh i guess something inside me said i'll prove you wrong and uh within a couple weeks we we i saw it at a a game playoff game a couple days later and then again a couple days later we started talking and uh not long after that we started dating and yeah the rest is history I had her at dumb jock.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So kind of continue on. You said she was not athletic and she was there at the game watching. So kind of, what was she there as like a big sister? What was happening there? Neighbor,
3: neighbor. The girl was her neighbor that was playing and um, they were very close. And uh, she, you know, I say my wife's not athletic. She was not into athletics. That That's probably the best way to to, to describe her. She just, um, you know, I always say I get my culture from other places than yogurt now since I met her. <laughs> she, uh, she listens to classical music where I was probably listening to Boston and ACDC. You know, she was reading uh, classical novels and things like that where, I was, you know, reading short articles and newspapers and that's it. You know, so she's, she kind of balanced. It's amazing. Um, you know, how she balanced me out. I, I truly think, and this is the honest to God truth. Um, right before I met her, I was, it went to the um, sugar bowl with university of Pittsburgh and they gave us all kinds of money Um even though they provided meals, they gave us a significant amount of money back then. And I, I came home with very little money and I spent most of it on alcohol. And I think that if I wouldn't have met my wife, when I met her, I probably would have gone down a a terrible path. Um, Just, I mean, that's the guys I hung around with. That's what we did. And she took me in a completely different direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed for that for so many reasons, but, um, yeah, she, she's opposite in many ways of me, but very similar in in other ways. And, uh, I, I guess that's what they say. Opposites attract. She's an amazing lady put up with me for this long. Holy cow. 36 years,
0: 36 years. So I think one of the important things is I know we're talking about 80 dads and we're talking about kids, but the biggest Piece of being a successful dad is raising your kids to be successful members or productive members of society. And if I don't love my wife, if I don't, you know, and if you're divorced, if you don't um, love your child's mother as an AT dad, then that kid is going to grow up with that damage as well. And so, one of the biggest things you can do is just listen to Larry's story about how he met his wife, how he loved his wife, how you know, in how that's grown, how they've communicated. So it's really important to not skip over this part with his wife. All right. So you met her there um, in your, I think, did you say your senior year of college? Yeah. 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 So so your senior year of college. Now, tell, t- t- keep, keep us going from there. Y'all met, you married. Uh, where'd you get your first job? And how did that look when you first started uh, your life together as a teacher, athletic trainer, and a husband?
3: So I I my first job was in Arlington, Virginia. I uh, was the first a, uh certified athletic trainer in Arlington County. I actually had a really uh amazing opportunity there to develop their athletic trainer um job, um, description and their teaching responsibilities and things like that. But <clears throat> what happened is I I moved down there and we got married. Um Uh, About eight months later, seven months later in November over Thanksgiving break. And, uh, you know, we have as athletic trainers, sometimes you have a break over Thanksgiving and we we fit it in. And then we started off um, in Arlington and uh, she worked for the public schools as well in the HR department. And uh, we'd go every night. She come to the games and wrestling matches and football games and we became very close friends with uh um a coach uh, his name is Sam and his wife marisa um there's to this day our best friends, but you know after every game or after every um match or whatever the case we'd we'd probably go out and and have some get something to eat or just talk shoot the breeze and um you get to know each other and and i i gotta be honest with you I, we moved. You know, I'm originally from north of Pittsburgh, about two hours. So Arlington, Virginia was six hours away from my parents, and it was four hours away from her parents. And that really brought us closer together because we, we relied on each other. We didn't know anybody. Uh, I didn't know anybody when I moved down there. She obviously knew me after we got married, but um, it, it made us depend on each other and really lean on each other from from day one once we got married we didn't have kids for almost five years and we did a lot of traveling. We did a lot of things together. And I think that really forged our uh, relationship in a positive way. I know that sometimes that doesn't always work that way, but I think, you know, spending all that time together. um, She also got a job at the same school I was teaching at then. She was a secretary and I was teaching um, health and phys ed and also being the athletic trainer and she worked in the office. So we got to see each other, um, quite a bit, probably more than most married couples do. And it just, I mean, it's always been very positive and, and, uh, never had any issues. Well, then we got, we got, um, we, we had a child, um, Sarah, she was born April 8th of 1990. And, um, I'll tell you what I was scared, uh, but you know, it, it was probably one of the best things that happened to me. Um, it really um, kind of finalized my—I don't know if that's the right word to say—but just gave me an opportunity to be a dad, and something I wanted to be for a, for a long period of time. You know, really cemented my um, thoughts and beliefs and my what I wanted to do with my life. And I, I think it's probably been the most important job, the, the most rewarding job I've ever had, is being a dad. Um, It's difficult when they're young because you don't see some of the things that you're going to see later, but um, I just, I spent every, I'm not a bar guy, I'm not a TV guy, so anytime I wasn't at work, I was with my my family and and my daughter, and then we moved back to Pennsylvania um, right outside of Pittsburgh at Harrison City, Pennsylvania, and started working in a clinic, and then in the high school as well. And I had the mornings free. So I would do everything I could with my, my wife and my daughter, you know, whether it would be, you know, teaching her the alphabet or, you know, teaching her the numbers or, you know, whatever the case may be. And uh, <clears throat> I got the job at Pentraford teaching and doing the athletic training. Didn't have as much time, but I had a delayed start and right about that time, my daughter was going to uh, daycare. So I would take her to daycare on my way to work. Uh, it was preschool. It wasn't daycare. It was preschool. And every day we had a routine and we'd do certain things. And my, I taught him to count by fives. And I taught them to count by tens. And I taught him, you know, uh, multiplication and stuff like that. At a very early age, we just had this routine. We'd get in the car and I'd buckle them in. And I'd say, i go, um, one, f- uh, five, 10, 15, 20. And then I'd hear her say five, 10, 15, 20, you know, we just kept on doing that. And then we, we'd get up to a hundred and then I'd say, okay, let's, let's count by threes. And, you know, we start by, so by the time she started kindergarten, she was, I don't want to say she was advanced, but she, I had exposed her to, you know, some things that maybe some parents hadn't, And I think probably cause I was a, a teacher as well. I was doing that. Um about that time, my second daughter, Molly, um, Molly Ann, she was born on January 25th of 93. Um, she came into our life and uh, she's she's so funny. Uh, like when she was little, she would just make us laugh all the time. And she has a very contagious laugh. Uh, have you ever seen heard those babies on television that you just you have to laugh? And that's the way she was. She was always that way. Um so I just doubled down and spent more time at home as much as I could. Um I, I was fortunate right about that time to have another athletic trainer join me on staff. So what we would do is we would um you know share responsibilities at night if there was multiple events obviously I was there but if there was only one event at night we would t- take turns. And that was very beneficial in, you know, my duties as a dad. And then uh, my my youngest daughter, Delaney Elise, uh, was born in 97. And we had two other full-time athletic trainers at the time. Delaney was a – she's a character. She's our jokester. And so <clears throat> it made me – like having her and having Molly and having Sarah, I was laughing all the time. Life was, life is good. And uh, man, I was busy and I was involved in our state association. I was coaching soccer, um, all these different things, but I, man, life, life was good. And, and then before you know it, they're in high school and I'm, I have them as students. I have them in the classroom. I have them as athletes. They're working with me in the athletic training room. And I had an opportunity to have some really funny circumstances, um, pop up. And I had some really, um, you know, down to earth conversations with them. And then I had, um, some awesome times with them, traveling with them to playoff games and different things. I got to tell you a story. This, This is a great story. Um, my, all my daughters ran cross, cross country, all of them played volleyball, um, all of them played soccer and it cross country. I think it was Molly's senior year uh, during practice. They used to run, run around the school and they'd see me in the back with football and they'd always come by the water boy and, it, and Molly would say, Hey dad, can we get a drink? I said, of course, you know, and uh, they stand there getting a drink with a couple of her friends and this new kid, this new lineman for football. He just moved to the school. He comes over to me, he says, Hey, Coop, do you know that blonde there? I said, yeah. He says, do you think you could introduce me? I went, no, (laughs) I should have played with him a little bit, but, but I didn't. I said, no. He says, why not, man? She's, she's pretty cool. I'd like to get to know her. I go, she's my daughter. (laughs) And, The The rest of the team knew what was going on and heard. They were laughing their butts off. They thought it was so funny. But, you know, those are circumstances that most dads don't have with their kids. You know, it was a lot of fun. Then at, at dinner that night, I remember talking about it. They were laughing. <laughs> I should have had more fun with it. I should have pulled him along a little bit, but I didn't.
0: <laughs> I want to go back to Ed's question. He said he's been... In quarantine and hasn't really had to create that balance. Um, I I did a podcast years ago about doing FMLA whenever or taking paternity leave like Ed did and that was part of how how we started that conversation was Ed felt guilty about taking that paternity leave. So with you as a full-time teacher, as an athletic trainer, you're first born and this is back in 1990 so it's not really you know, you you need to be macho, right? You're the man, you go to work, okay? So talk to me a little bit about what that looked like when Sarah, your first, was born and how you were present in those first two months before summer break. Oh, looks like, looks like Larry froze, right? So in your career so far, you said Desmond is two?
2: He's gonna be two in April.
0: About to be two, okay, so coming up on two. So what, Have you done to prioritize or set those non-negotiables, or communicate with your wife saying, "Hey, this is my schedule for the week," or "Hey, you know this this day we'll go on a date" or whatever it is? What What have you done?
2: I haven't really done anything. Like, I go over the schedule with my wife, and she fully understands what I do. But I haven't had to do those. I haven't had to do that prioritizing just yet, just because it really hasn't needed to happen (laughs) where it's like I'm not in the stress of a of being in season where a coach wants (laughs) wants us to come in on a day off because we have injured athletes which that's becoming not a (laughs) non-negotiable anyways but um yeah that's kind of why I wanted to have this conversation because I know that that day's coming (laughs) and I want to be ready (laughs) for
0: for it so actually i know this is kind of one of the big things that joel is working on is that leadership that communication he's in a college setting similar to you so while we're still waiting for larry to come back in to the zoom joel why don't you talk about some of the things that you're doing at um uwl and in how that can help ed set those boundaries make those non-negotiables have those hard conversations to prioritize that time with family
1: Yeah. So I haven't had to deal with it quite yet with the little ones because of the pandemic as well, but something um, that our staff has been working on irrespective of um, children, but we're working on, we were very fortunate for many years to have some collection of 10 certified athletic trainers on staff. That was GAs. That was some part-times that switched over a little bit and we had some uh, from where some ATs and our docs kind of coming down so we could really make it where you either had split seasons, so you were just fall and spring or you just had a season and then kind of helped out so we, we were able to really balance things really well well that's kind of fallen apart a little bit and we've dropped down to a staff of six um, and basically I've taken it to my AD for my role and just saying you know if we're going to drop down that far with no additional support and all of our head coaches are now full-time that's all they do and then they have a full-time assistant combined whatever it may be the services are going to have to go with it and so we sat down as a staff and tried to look you know what is our most valuable commodity to the athletic department and that is the treatment and the rehab and it's not necessarily always sitting at a practice every night, you know, for an ankle sprain, which is ultimately going to be there tomorrow. Um, And it's probably not going to be significantly different. And we're fortunate enough that we've got a couple people um, that live really close to campus that could pop in if they need to. We've got a younger staff, except uh, for one who's got three kids, a couple in high school. And that was really the eye-opening thing for me is, He had arranged his schedule to attend one of his kids' things. And then something changed with the head coach that he, with the team he was working with. And all of a sudden, the head coach had to rearrange his schedule so he could now attend one of his kids' things, which caused the athletic trainer to miss his. Well, we didn't get, we, and I mean, him didn't get that information until 24 hours before. And we said, we we aren't going to cover it. There wasn't enough communication on time. It wasn't um, communicated sufficiently. And we just, we don't have the people to do that. And those have been hard conversations. Um, I know this will probably be a relatively unpopular opinion within the athletic training realm about, you know, not necessarily being there for every single thing. But, you know, I had come in for football football treatments on a Sunday for an hour, hour and a half um, that had continued to get redone that if people didn't show up right at the time we opened, um, or if they came in and all they talked about was their night, the night before we were going to cancel them and we made it through the year. But then again, this year, that was going to be my kind of cutoff point. If you've got something that happened during the game, you talk to me afterwards, we come up with a plan and I'll see you first thing Monday morning. Um, just because most of them were going to go out Saturday night anyway, and that really helped their injury to begin with. So, um, those haven't been fun conversations, but they've been ones that have been necessary, and it's putting pressure in a good way, I think, to our administration to try and help solve the problem. Um, if you want the same treatment that our coaches, you know, are able to give, then hire me a staff that would allow me to do that. And I'm not asking necessarily one to one. We've got 21 sports. I don't need. I'd love 21 athletic trainers, but I get it. Um, but if we can make it split where people can take a season off, then that's what we need to do. And that's been one I've looked at for, it was going to happen this year. Um, it didn't because of COVID is, you know, I would be all of football covering half of our home basketball games and then every single track. I don't know that that's a work setting that I'm prepared to be in. And that's where I, applaud secondary school ats because i don't know how you all do it i just I, it's impressive and i applaud them i just i don't know how that would happen um and also knowing how our track meets go they they are never just on as it was most track meets rarely on time but that, that's kind of the approach we've taken um it's been met with obvious resistance but we feel like we've been justified in it and we do i think we do a really good job and We'll see, we'll
0: see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm kind of sore today because yesterday I worked out, right? So if I don't ever go push against something hard, then I'm never going to get any better, any stronger. And so we just have to make sure that we're willing to push and be sore and, be, and get that feedback. We just have to, again, do it in a good way. And I know that Joel's had some leadership podcasts, and he's done it with... Like had Rick, and he's gone through this series. Obviously, we had ours with Seiko talking about how we can have those conversations. But I think Larry is back with it with us. Larry, you back?
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm back. I don't know what happened there, but I'm. I'm using my hotspot right now. So,
0: <laughs> all right. Um. So I just asked about your first child, Sarah, being born 1990. Um. Did did we finish that? conversation or you're definitely- no you
3: you actually started to freeze at that point in time i think okay. my internet went, went down so all
0: right so tell me what that looked like for you april 19 uh, 1990 your first daughter's born you're a teacher athletic trainer how did you prioritize those first month or two because you can never ever get those back so what did that look like for you
3: well i i, I think that i had a a very um supportive administration um not only from my uh, direct supervision, but also from the superintendent on down and Arlington County is a very large school district. It's not, you know, like a, a small rural school district. Um, we had uh, I think it's four, uh, four high schools, um, seven middle schools and 27 or 28 elementary schools in a five square mile radius, A very densely populated, very, you know, if you ever ever been to Washington D.C., you've been to Arlington. You know it's it's right there. So, getting to the administration, they were very supportive, very um, family-oriented for a school district that size. And I'll give you an example. Um, I had a a, uh, a staff meeting with all the phys ed teachers, and uh, our. Superintendent Dr. Arthur Gosling was there presenting to us about uh, what he'd like to see us do in the coming years and, you know, what he, how he foresees uh, phys ed fitting into the educational process. And I can feel myself, you know, get, getting tired because I hadn't got much sleep in that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going this, and I hit my head on the table. And he walked up to me, he says, Coop, you're lucky I know you just had a baby because otherwise I'd be mad, (laughs) you know, it was just, Um, so I think, you know, that shows how supportive he was (laughs) to some degree. And, uh, you know, my my wife was a stay at home mom for as long as we possibly could. We prioritized that. and my wife and I did that. That was, that was on purpose. Um, We went went without new furniture. We went without going out to eat things like that. So she could stay home and um, really spend time with the, with Sarah and we, we continued that, but getting to those first few weeks, I mean, we still, had, you know, I had events. Uh, she was born April 8th. That was right in the middle of, uh, of spring sports. And, uh, I, I was able to return to do everything I was supposed to, you know, con- contractually and, um, you know, fulfill my, my duties and that, um, maybe not to the best of my, um, professionalism, th- professionally what I thought, but I did everything that was asked of me. I did everything that um, I could possibly do and still spend some time with my, my daughter and and help out my wife. Because as you know, after um, giving birth, you know, there's, uh, there's complications, there's little things that go on um, and and they're not able to lift or um, be as mobile as, as they usually are. So I was a, you know, it was a juggling act, but I was able to do it. And I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I think that it's very, very important that we, as a, as a spouse, as a, you know, as a dad that I wanted, that was my priority to be there. And I, I don't, I think sometimes that we get caught up saying, you know, I have to do this for school. If I don't do that, they're, they're going to be upset or I could lose my job. I think that they're more understanding than what we give them credit for. I think that sometimes a conversation has to be had. Um, You know, Joe, I heard you saying you you had some conversations with your administration. Those are tough. That's like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to address. You know, sometimes you have to. Those conversations, those tough conversations are something that are very, very necessary, not only for you, but also for them, too, because they, they, they don't know what you're thinking and what you're going through until you talk to them. It's that simple. You know, and and when we're young, that's a very daunting task to try and bring that kind of stuff up to your administration. I mean, that's that's not an easy conversation at all.
0: So let me jump in. I we have three biological and then one foster daughter. And so my first son was born on a Friday and then I went to work on Monday so it, it was he was born at the end of July. We started back to work like August 1st. And for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm just tired. You know, I, I can get through it. It's kind of like half days. It's getting everything ready, getting the students ready, getting the year ready. So I, I need to be here at the beginning of the year when there was already an athletic trainer that had been here for 20-something years, you know, 30 years or whatever it was at that point. So it's not like I needed to be here, but I felt like I had to be here. I was like, okay. Well, there was issues. And I've said it before. Um, My wife was breastfeeding our first son sitting in the room about 15 feet from me. I was washing the dishes so that she didn't have to do it. And she was mad because I wasn't sitting there right beside her. Right. Like you said, there's complications. Things are different. Hormones change like they, you know, it's the biological process. It's the way it works. And it wasn't her fault. It was, that was just how she was feeling. And I wasn't listening. I wasn't, feeling or understanding any of that. So again, I share that story just because a guy doesn't experience those same hormones and motions and changes. He doesn't understand unless he specifically has heard that story, ask his wife, they discuss it. Um, And so then with the second one, he was born in the beginning of July, had all July to take off before I had to go back to work. So with the third one born in November, I I had planned, I'd said, hey, when my last child is born... I'm going to take off for two weeks, no matter what. Like, I'm just going to take off, and then until for the rest of the time before the Christmas break, I'm going to take a half day. So I'll come in in the morning, I'll do the stuff in the morning, and then I'm going to go home and help because it's really tough with three kids at home, none of them were in school yet. So I learned as I went, right, and was able to prioritize that time and and have that hard conversation. But any new dads. You need to have those conversations with your team right now, with your admin, with whoever it is, and say, hey, I need that time at home, those first two weeks. What do we need to do? What do we need to plan right now so that those first two weeks or month or whatever it is that you can take, that I can be home full-time supporting, helping my wife and my child because I can never, ever, ever get those first two weeks or month back. There will always be another day at work. There will always be another job. There will always be another deal. There will always be another game, but I can never get those days back with my kid.
3: And, and that's hard. That that's hard to instill or impress upon a younger athletic trainer who's a new dad or a new mom, because you know, new dad basically, because they they don't understand that you, you you're never going to get that time back. And you know, and it, it's important that you show that support for your, your spouse. Um, and, and, but it's also important that you make the effort, the time to go ahead and, um, spend that time with them. Speaking of the devil. All
0: right. So that was 1990. Your first daughter was born, You, you know, you were working in a family oriented school. Um, so then kind of continuing on down the line, Joel asked you know, about his wife, isn't really into sports. You said your wife wasn't either. She was able to attend the games before you all had kids. Um, what are some of the things that you continue to do to include your wife and your kids in in your job and you be part of theirs besides the obvious advantage you had of working at the high school that they were attending?
3: Well, we did a thing called, and, and my, my daughters still do this, we did this thing called, Uh, uh, pizza Friday. So every Friday night they would come up to the athletic training facility and we would have pizza. And um, you know, my, my wife obviously is the one who transported them up, you know, packed them all up, brought them up to the athletic training facility. But, you know, that was a a tradition that we had every Friday night. And it's, what's really interesting is my, I know at least my oldest daughter who has the, the, she has a daughter they do still do that pizza you know friday pizza and so it, it, it's been uh you know just one of those traditions we did um and then when they were in the high school and they were working as, as student athletic trainers with me you know my my wife would bring us up dinner and she would you know sometimes stand there and chat with us and you know we talked about our day just like we would if we were sitting around the dinner table you know we'd we'd we always took time to talk about each other's day and things like that. So I th- I think that, and this goes back to your question, Joel, about your spouse. Yes, they've, they've got to be very understanding. They, they've got to be um, willing to make that effort, just like you have to be willing to make the effort to do things with them, whether it be, you know, if you have a, a, a night off, you're spending it at home with them doing things rather than going out with your buddies or doing ax throwing or going, you know, whatever the, the thing is, you know, you're, you're making the effort, you know, on their end too. So, you know, it, it all goes back to what your priorities are. Like I said, from the beginning, you know, if working out in the morning is your priority priority, you'll make it, you know, and you'll make the effort to do it. If your um, priority is watching, uh, friends every night, you know, and you have a, a slot of time that you want to watch, you'll make the effort. But if, if you want to spend time with your children, if you want to develop those relationships, if you want to um, really solidify your job as a dad, you'll make that priority. So that, we did the pizza Fridays. That that was one thing we we always did. That was, we, we, I mean I have pictures of us in the athletic training facility when they were very, very little that um, you know, they're sitting at uh the tr- treatment tables just waiting for a, a slice of pizza. <laughs> it was it was always fun.
0: Yeah, I, I have several pictures of my kids up here. you know, my wife will bring the kids up here at times. Um actually I presented not this not this COVID summer, but the one before. I presented in Louisiana at the Louisiana Athletic Trainers Association uh conference meeting, symposium, whatever it's called. And I took my oldest son with me and he actually was part of the presentation. So we had gone through and practiced and practiced and he was the one clicking the slides for me. But again, that was me being willing to take my son because it would have been easier to go without him. It would have been easier for me to hang out and do whatever without him. But I was wanting and willing to involve them in my life. So I took him with me, presented we practiced we prepared and so it's been really those kind of moments you can't ever get back like for the for the athletic trainers there you know they liked it they thought it was cute and he was able to answer a couple of questions about what he liked because I was presenting about technology so it was something that he didn't need to have an expertise and just involving him and and like just seeing him shine and he he actually chose to like wear a snap-on tie and a vest like he chose his outfit so he dressed up for the event um and uh, a year later he was presenting something to us because it was like they wanted to buy minecraft and so they created a powerpoint presentation on how to buy on why they should buy minecraft and the way that he presented that was the same way that i presented at that conference and again it's it's because he went there he practiced that presentation with me and so then he's just that style that he saw and that he heard and that he was a part of because right. I was willing to be uncomfortable and prioritize, prioritize my job as a dad rather than being off somewhere else presenting and taking care of other people's kids and other uh, athletic trainers.
3: Yeah, I do a lot of um, wrestling weight certification um, pr- presentations in the state of Pennsylvania. I've probably given over a hundred of them. And my daughters traveled with me to those and, you know, saw me actively engaged in something that I was passionate about. And I would say that, you know, between that and having them in the classroom for my athlete sports medicine class, and then also having them in physical education class and health class. And they saw, you know, what I did and what, and how passionate I am. And all three of them are teachers now. And um, I, w- I would say that's probably because of, you know, their exposure to me, but also to some other very, very good teachers that um, had a positive influence on them. So, yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. There's little things that you did, Jeremy, that he'll remember that forever um, because there's some things that I've done that my, my daughters will remember. And I'm like, oh, I forget all about that, you know, or if you involve them. All three of my daughters are very good at at, at um, the the spoken word, the, the written word. And so what I would do is if I had a presentation to do or, you know, a speech, I, I would do what I thought was a good thing. And they'd say, I'd say, so what do you guys think of this? And they would look through it and they'd say, oh, Dad, that's really good, but you need to change this. You know, so if you involve them, sometimes it makes you a better person. Too, you know, it sounds better, but also you, you're you're developing that relationship with you, with them. So, um, yeah, I, I had so many opportunities, more than most parents do with with their their children, and I'm very fortunate, and very blessed for that.
0: So, Ed and Joel, I'm going to come back to you in just a second and ask, what are you going to take away from this to incorporate your family and work? Because it's not just a, like work-life balance; it's a life balance, right? So, what are you going to do? What are you going to take away from this? Um, so Larry, kind of continuing on, you have grandkids. What are you doing to continue that relationship and include your granddaughter in your life or being an active part of their life now?
3: Okay, I'll get to that. But if I could back up one second, right. one one thing I forgot to tell you guys, um, working at the secondary school. I didn't have off three months in the summer, you know how it works with athletic training. You don't have that much time off, but you know, I had an opportunity to, to, um, to travel some in the summer. And so what we would do, we, we really didn't do anything during the, the school years, but in the summer we had, we would plan camping trips. We'd plan trips to go different parts of the country. In one trip we were gone for seven and a half weeks. We traveled to 22 different States. Um, I have a po- I had a pop-up camper and we all had our specific duties when you pull into a campsite to do. And when we were getting ready to leave, we all had our specific duties and stuff, but I gotta be honest with you that those camping trips that we did really were so helpful with the family dynamic. When I was planning, I would ask them, okay, so this is where we're going to be. Why don't you guys investigate what there is something that you want to do in those areas. And here's a prime example. We were near Chicago and um, I wanted to go see the Chicago Cubs, you know, Wrigley field. And and, um, they wanted to see American girl doll place. And we did both, you know, it it, just one of those things that, you you know, you of that give and take. And um, that was the same trip, Joel, that we went up to, uh, the bluff up there, but you know, there's, there's things that you have to do. You can't, it can't always be about you. It has to be about them too. That's, that's that priority that you've, you've made. So my granddaughter just had her second birthday. Uh, we, we, um, went down and, and spent a couple of days with her, um, for her birthday. And, um, you know, it's funny the little things she do. I taught her how to high five, you know, fist pump and high five. You know, little things that that now whenever I see her, the first thing she does is, you know,
1: mm-hmm. her,
3: and I, I'm Papa and my my wife is Mimi and and Papa Mimi, you know, and it just it's time that we everything is focused on her, um, and and I I feel so energized, so refreshed when I come back because. I spent time with, you know, something that's so amazing. Um, Having grandkids is so different than having kids. Um, You know, I'm sure you've heard that before. And it's hard for me to explain why, but man, they just, they're so innocent and they're so inquisitive. And when you get older, you have a different perspective on that. And so it's really neat to watch them but I think the biggest thing is watching your children interact with them and see how they're raising them. And you, know, certainly you're going to see things that you did and you're going to see things that you didn't do, but it's so in- incredible to see, you know, your um, now 30 year old daughter interact and, and uh, raise her child it, and beyond words. It's, it's amazing. And uh, I'm fortunate to be able to live close enough we live about four hours away it's not you know it's it's not too far uh, four hours away and uh, be able to if we want to go down and just pop in for a weekend or five or six days or whatever the case may be Um, but yeah spending the time with her you know and when you're there not being distracted by you know a football game or you know, something else you got to do. Matter of fact, I was doing some um, projects at their house with their husband. And I said, well, can we do that when she's taking a nap? Or can we do that after she goes to sleep? You know, it's something like that, because I wanted to spend time with her. Um, I want to make sure that I'm maximizing my time with her, um, not only for for me, but for her. You know, I think it's important. There's studies that show that children that grow up around their grandparents are, are better connected with, um, the entire community. You know, they have a better sense of community. So I think that, I don't know, I I have a different perspective now than I did when I was, you know, your age, Ed and Joel and and Jeremy, you know, and I think it, it, it happens. It evolves over those years and it's good thing it does because, um, you don't want to stay the same. I I'm not the same person I was when I met my, my wife and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm I'm sure she's glad too.
0: Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. I am not the same person and that is a good thing. So all right, Ed Joel, what are you going to change, implement, take away from Larry or what final question do you have for Larry?
2: Joel, you want me to start <laughs> okay. oh, before Um, I mean, I think hearing your stories about the pizza night in the athletic training room, I mean, I posted this question a few weeks ago that like I can't wait for my son to get to that age where he can be somewhat helpful on a sideline, like if it's filling up water bottles, like I can't wait for when it's game day on a Saturday morning, I bring him in, he helps me set up the locker room, he's helping on the sideline um, and then as he gets older and if he still likes it, maybe join me on the road for a trip and, and experience that and just try and maximize my time with him while I still have to do my job as, as well and share those experiences.
1: Uh, it,
3: it, I'm going to tell you what, it, it's an amazing experience when you can do that. I, I'm very hopeful that you can do that and, it'll be a, it'll be positive in more ways than you can ever imagine those mm. incidental ways. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was smiling because I remember when they first started, you know, helping out and that just the little things and they feel so special to be on the sideline or they feel so special to be able to help someone out. And, and usually the athletes are very accommodating and, and treat them like royalty, you know, like they, they, are doing something very special when in fact it's the athletes are treating them very special. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Ed. Now, I don't wish your life away, but yeah, I, it'll be, it'll yeah. be fun when, when you can, when you can do that. It will be, I'd be absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah. I'm always telling myself, what happens when you're busy making plans, <laughs> just like. John- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, you know, one of the things though, too, that I, it was a little difficult for me and, and I, I don't, I don't mean me but for my daughters. I think being in the same school, I think that they maybe missed out on some, some dating because maybe the guys thought I was a little intimidating. Um, I mean, if you know me, I'm not, you know, but you know, when you're young and you're uh, uninformed or impressionable, you might think that I was, was, um, um, a tyrant. I wasn't. Matter of fact, they, my daughters had people say, does your dad uh, make you do push ups when you swear? You know, things like that, because that was a policy in my classroom. If you swore in phys ed, you had to do push ups. You had a choice. You could either do push ups or go to the office. And all but one kid over 30 some years did elected to do push ups. So they thought that I was the same way at home. Well, I'm not. To that same degree, though, I think, and I my there was an article in Training Conditioning a few years ago. Um, they asked me to get my my daughter's perspective on being a trainer and being the teacher that they had, and it would it blew me away. They said it was a, a, a positive experience; there was no negatives, um, and that they would do it again if they had the opportunity. So I think that you know, you've got to create those opportunities and you got to, got to make sure you're a dad when you're supposed to be a dad, a teacher when you're supposed to be a teacher, an athletic trainer when you're supposed to be an athletic trainer, and make sure that you don't confuse those responsibilities at the wrong time because that can make it bad. You know, I think that um, one more story before I, I, we go to Joel is I had a, a fellow teacher and this was the last week of school, Molly, my middle daughter's senior year, she came up to me and she goes, Coop, is Molly your daughter? And I said, yeah, why? And she goes, I never knew that. I've had her in class all four years. I never knew that. And I said, that was what I wanted. And she, she kind of looked at me like all oh, kind of weird ways. And I said, I didn't want you to treat her differently, better, different or worse. I wanted her to be treated like every other person in, in your classroom. And I, I didn't want kids to think, oh, she's getting special treatment because her dad's coop, you know? And so <clears throat> that was kind of a uh, affirmation to me that I was separating all of my jobs, parent, teacher, athletic trainer, and, and not trying to, to muddy the water. Um, that also happened with my youngest daughter as well but um, yeah I think you know it's 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 tough being a parent because it's so easy to to step in when they're failing or they're having difficulty but it's the best thing when you step back and let them deal with it and that's what I tried to do all the time and we'd have discussions at home and and they say, Dad, why didn't you do this? I said, because that's your responsibility. And that's how you grow up. That's how you learn. And <clears throat> now they, they come back and they say, yeah, now I understand why you did that. And we appreciate you doing being that way. But that, that's tough as a, da- uh, a dad that you can see things going on that you should. It's, it's so much faster, so much easier if you jump in. But it's not the best thing
1: to do. Joel? Yeah, I think for me, um, and this just kept reaffirming it. I, I don't remember where I heard this, but it is, you know, jobs will come and go, but families forever. Um, and I can't say a couple of years ago, you know, pre getting married and, you know, for everything that I would have embraced that. Uh, but how quick that evolution has happened and just kind of reaffirming that. And, you know, that's always going to be a struggle. You know, you move on to something else does it make sense to what you know how do you balance it out but um working on becoming completely at peace with knowing and understanding that has been big for me and this just kept reaffirming those things and figuring out what's going to be the best way to make sure that as you guys have both said you know life doesn't pass you by and you miss out because you were just sitting there while a film session was going on doing nothing
3: right Right. Yeah. And and phones are, you know, these things are definitely uh, changing the world. And and, and we were, my wife and I were at some get together a number of years ago and everybody, but her and I were on the phone and everybody was a little bit younger and kind of grew up with the phones. I, you know, I didn't grow up with, I call it an electronic leash. And, and I believe that now granted it's, it's important, you know, like for example, right now I'm using my hotspot on it for for us to do this. For some reason, our internet's down, but it's good. It's important. It's useful, but I think too many people spend so much time on it. They, they forget about what's going on in front of them. And, you know, your generation grew up with these. So you need to step away from it. You need to, remove apps so you're not on it, you know, things like that. Sometimes my, my, my oldest daughter said she removed Facebook from her phone so that she's not tempted to get on it. And she removed Instagram, you know, things like that. So that she said, it's a, it's a, you know, a black hole that you get in and you just can't get out. And then TikTok came and she said the same thing. I said, well, life is full of choices, honey. You gotta, (laughs) gotta decide. So she spends more time with her daughter and and uh, less time on her phone.
0: Way to end right there. To spend more time with the kids, less time on your phone, less time at the job. Prioritize, like Larry said. Have those hard conversations. Think and plan. Know that if you don't have kids, that if you're planning on it, like if it's your you know your spouse is pregnant, that you need that time off. You need that time there so that y'all can figure it out so y'all can work together so that it's not, well, I'm going to work and I'll be home this time, you know? And so with this, with this last one, with the foster baby, since my wife wasn't breastfeeding, we were able to, all right, well, I've got from 3 3 a.m. on. So if anything after 3 a.m., I'll wake up and take care of the baby. You've got, you know, up until 3 a.m. And then we were able to split it out that way. We communicated, we figured out because, of experience because of communication, because of me loving my wife and being willing to be tired, be sleepy, and sacrifice my comfort for for her. If I
3: could add one more thing, do you guys have co workers? Yes, get them because they're in the same situation. Sometimes we overlook our needs and, and you know, o- overlook their needs in for our needs. And I think it's important that you need to balance that out, you know, maybe they're. They have a, um, a five-year-old and they're getting into some new things with school and they need to be there for them. It's important that you don't forget that because um, we don't know what they're going through. But if you communicate at work and you can make things easier with their life and they will in turn, since you showed you care, will make your life easier with your you and your children. So I think that, that, that's something that a lot of people forget about.
0: All right, I'm sure there's lots of questions. Again, we have is a kind of a three-part series, approaching it from three different angles. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, Larry, what's going to be the best way to do that?
3: Email coopatc1 at gmail dot com. So c o o p a t c the number one at gmail com.
0: All right, Mr.
1: Joel uh probably twitter as of now um joel underscore luke l-u-e-d-k-e uh, that'll probably be the easiest way to get back
2: all right and then Ed. uh best way to get in touch with me is twitter at ed Woz, w-o-z-a-t-c guys thanks so much
3: for the opportunity i really appreciate it and and hopefully i've been able to to maybe clear clear some some uh, priorities out for you and you'll spend some more time with your kids Joey, your daughter is beautiful oh my god just-
1: appreciate it just- i'm with that wanna- <laughs> i'm with that it's been for all the downfalls of covid it's been a blessing to be able to be spend more time with her and stuff that just probably wouldn't have happened otherwise uh, we're, we're soaking it all in
0: so I am Mr. Jeremy Jackson on most social media platforms, which I probably need to delete off my phone, according to Larry. Speaking of daddies, Frio Hydration was one of the first ones to create the hands-free station. And I'm actually, I'm planning on buying some more for our watering stations for in the fall. So even if COVID is over and we don't have to worry about the no contact stuff, the hands-free watering things are awesome. The kids line up for them. But it also keeps their dirty, filthy hands off of the water nozzles which is something that's been gross to me for years. So I I really recommend the free hydration, hands-free high uh, water units. And so we're going to use like the last of our budget this year to buy that, those uh, as we prepare for, you know, next year and years going forward. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ATDads1. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ATDads1. And then I'll have a link to... Joel, to Ed, to Larry, how you can get a hold of them if you can't figure it out. So for Jeremy, Larry, Ed, Joel, and the Sports Medicine Broadcast, that is a wrap. Thanks.